Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you. As always, I am so glad that you're tuning in. This is podcast 33. If you miss podcast 32, you can always check it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, if you've never been to StandStrongMinistries.org, that is my main uh, website for the ministry. Uh, you can click on podcast, and there's a brief description of what each podcast is about with also our study notes. So take advantage of that if you haven't done so already. Now, part one, last podcast, it, we got into hypocrisy when it comes to prayer, because right now you and I are talking in the Sermon on the Mount right now about prayer. So we're going to be looking at the modeled prayer, or also known as the sinner's prayer, or Jesus's prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. But last podcast in part number one, under Want a Better Prayer Life, we looked at hypocrisy. And right out the gate in verse 5, remember, Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites. So the first thing we learned about improving our prayer life is not to be focused on what people think about you. Don't be looking at their responses, but rather be looking at your request before God. You're not to care what people think about you in your prayer life. We don't show off in that. We don't even show off to God and think how impressive we are. Because remember later on when Jesus says, you know, they out, they're out there in the synagogues, they're standing, showing off. And then later on, he says in verse seven that they heap up empty phrases. Literally, they're nonsense talk. They're just babbling. God doesn't want vain repetitions. We're not to show off to God. Okay, we can't. We're sinners. We've been bought and saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. So true prayer, I talked about last time, is not a technique from the tongue, but a relationship with God from the heart. And so now as we take that heart and that appreciation and we see the model prayer, if you've struggled, and I know you have, I have, throughout my Christian walk, my relationship with our Heavenly Father, I've struggled uh, through this, the various different seasons of my life in my prayer, wondering if it's enough, wondering what am I even talking about? Do I have enough faith? Lord, I don't even know what to pray. God, I don't even know if you hear my prayers. We all go through these different times of our life, but the great thing I love is Jesus says, don't be like a hypocrite, but this is how you're to pray. Now, I want to give you this quote as we jump in, because what I'm going to do for the remainder of the podcast, I'm going to be breaking down line by line, verse by verse, phrase by phrase, what this model prayer is about. And hopefully you can take it. If you've never memorized it, I encourage that you do memorize it. And if you haven't memorized, I want you to take time. If you need to pause right now from the podcast and recite it yourself, I'm going to read it in a minute. Just ask yourself, do you see these different elements of the prayer in your daily prayer life? Not just reciting this modeled prayer, but using aspects of it in your prayer life. Now, let me read to you Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13 and get a con- and get in context what this prayer is about. And we'll break it down one by one. I'll give you this quote. Jesus said here now in verse 9, he says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right, now here's the quote I want to share with you because this is key. It says, This Lord's prayer is not much Uh, So of a formula to be repeated as it is a revelation of the attitude with which we approach God as Father. It's an attitude of awe, of submission, dependence, and complete confidence in His 
Father's love. So the key thing here is we're not trying to be formulaic. Remember, Jesus said not to heap up empty phrases, not this nonsense talk. Don't babble in your prayers. So it's not like if you pray like this, you'll get what you want in return. That's not the focus you and I know about prayer. What it means is it's about this awe. It's about this dependence. It's about the satisfaction that we have as we come before God. So let's see what each phrase means and apply it to our prayer life so we can see a drastic change in our prayer life because that's all that's what we want, right? So the first thing is bringing adoration, okay? The first thing about prayer when we're praying is bringing adoration. So remember, setting this tone in verses five through eight is not hypocritically. The focus is not about people, not making a public spectacle. So that's key. But now as we start praying, we got to make sure that we bring adoration with our lips. Notice here it says, our Father. That's how Jesus opens the prayer. Prayer is about communion. It's more than communication, matter of fact. So when you sometimes, and, and people rightly so, I mean, when they say, what's prayer about? It's about communicating with God. That's true. But communion is a much more intimate word than just communication. I can have communication with a lot of people on a daily basis, but my relationships with them are different. When you have communion with someone, the communication dialogue is completely different. Why? Because the identification of this relationship that we have with, with God is through Christ. You remember Psalm 130, uh, excuse me, Psalm 103, verse 13, where it says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. See, we come as his children. God shows, he wants to show compassion to those who fear him. So when you and I acknowledge him as our daddy, our father, he's going to have compassion over us. So my friend, every time you come to pray, pray for God's compassion. Say, Lord, I just want you to show compassion to me. That's not a selfish prayer. Notice as we go from our father, notice the acknowledgement of hallowed be your name. The Greek word here is hagazeo. It literally means may your name be honored as holy. It carries the idea of reverenced as holy, acknowledged as God. So this word hallowed carries a sense of urgency for God to reveal his holiness. You see back in Exodus 20 verse 41, Exodus 38, 16, prayer, when you when you and I come before the, our father and we hollow his name, when we honor him as holy, that's the essence of worship. The first petition when we pray is to acknowledge God who is holy, who is worthy of our worship, to honor and to praise him. Prayer is the essence of worship. I can't stress that enough. When you and I pray, when we have communion with him, we are worshiping him. The first two sentences, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, um, are an echoed language that we see in a Jewish prayer known as the Kaddish. It begins like this, quote, magnified and hallowed be his great name in the world. And may he establish his kingdom in your lifetime and in your days quickly soon. The third, we're going to see in a minute, your will be done, is a similar to a prayer of Rabbi uh, Eliezer that was back in AD 100. So interesting thing, as another side note, in the Babylonian Tamold, uh, it says, do thy will in heaven above and give peace to those who fear thee below. So almost you're kind of seeing a lot of these Jewish prayers that Jesus kind of shows in the model prayer. So I think the key thing about this, again, this is not 
a copying, if you will. This is original to Jesus of him, the Son of God, teaching us how to pray. But in a Jewish culture, uh, many of their prayers were about magnify, were about uh, hollowing the name of God, the great name in all of the world. And it's consistent to a lot of the Jewish prayers. And I think oftentimes, and this isn't a put down to Americans, but I think oftentimes we could be pretty shallow and not really recognizing the person whom we're praying to. When I think a lot of the rich historical prayers of the Jewish people um, had such a reverence and a love, and we need to get back to that. So the key thing is, number one, as I mentioned before, is bringing adoration. So our Father and the hallowed be thy name is all about adoration. The second thing is yielding now submission in verse 10 when he says, your kingdom come. God's kingdom will come into being on earth one day. Stop and think about that. How often do we neglect to realize that or we miss out on that? 2 Peter 1 1 says, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, one day you and I will enter the kingdom of heaven. We will, we will be there because of what Christ has done for us. And so oftentimes in our prayer life, we can be so fixated on what we want to, to happen what needs to be done in our lives. And yet what we need to be focusing on, my friend, is God, your kingdom come on the, in this world. Your will be done. Prayer needs to be focused on God fulfilling all of his covenantal promises. And I encourage you to do that. Go throughout scripture and, and look at how many promises God fulfilled in the past and how many promises are still awaited that have yet to happen today and that we are to anticipate that. So for example, I oftentimes pray in 1 Corinthians 1, about the return of Christ, that I anticipate that the day will come when Christ will return for his church. Has he not taken place yet? So every day of my life, when I pray at some point in the day, as I'm praying, I'm saying, Lord, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. That's what I pray. So that's what we're talking about when we're yielding submission to God's kingdom being established, his will being done in our life. Now, number three is making petitions. That's the daily bread that Jesus says here. You see, we are to pray, my friend, and ask the Lord for daily physical needs. Why? Because he wants to take care of us. When you go back to Psalm 103, remember, he shows compassions to, compassion to his children. God wants to meet your need. Just like you and I as a parent want to meet the needs of our kids, not because they're selfish and they're brats. No, we want to meet their needs because we are called to care for them, to provide for them, to protect them. So when we go from adoration to submission to making petition, we now go into confession. Number four is about offering confession. In verse 12, notice it says, forgive our debts. We need to admit our sin and our wrongdoing against God and seek for forgiveness. This ought to be a daily prayer for spiritual needs. Forgiven, notice it says, not just to forgive us our debts, but for, uh, forgiven our debtors. The reality is when it comes down to it, we can't just ask God to forgive us of our sins, but we have to ask God for forgiveness in a way that shows that whoever has wronged us, we can forgive them because God, you've forgiven us. We will forgive those who wrong us. That's very hard to do. Matter of fact, as I'm, as I'm recording this and going through this right now, um, I'm pretty upset with it, with an individual person. You know, and you know, you can allow if you don't if you don't deal with it, you can allow bitterness, you can allow unforgiveness to take charge of you. Well, the moment you do that, it's going to hinder your prayers. Remember, if you're a husband right now, if you're married, and you know you're listening to this right now, listen. The Bible teaches that 
our prayers, if we if we are not honoring our wife as a weaker vessel, if we're not heirs together in the grace of life, 1 Peter 3, 7, with our wives, it will affect our, our prayers. The Bible clearly says that it will hinder our prayers. So oftentimes, in a, whether it's a marriage or a relationship with anybody, we have to have forgiveness there. That doesn't always mean the person who's wronged you, or maybe you wronged them, but they won't forgive you. But if you truly in your heart have gone before God and said, Lord, as the Bible says here, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, and you mean it, but the other person is like, nah, you know, I, I, I'm not sure yet, then that's not on you. Now, there's two examples in Scripture that I want to point to in this particular passage when it, when it, when it talks about offering confessions. The first one, if you remember, if you go back to Luke chapter 6, 41 and 42, remember there was a creditor and there were the two debtors and how the creditor uh, leave them of the debt. And one of them, of course, had a greater debt than the other and says, who's been forgiven more and who will learn more about forgiveness? The one whose debt was cleared the most, right? Who had the highest highest debt. Remember, the second example is the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Those are two powerful examples. So when you and I are talking about forgiveness, when we're seeking God to forgive us, and we know that we've wronged someone or we have an issue with someone, we need to seek that forgiveness. Otherwise, that's going to affect our prayer life. And the creditor with the two debtors in Luke 7 and the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18 are great examples on your own time. I encourage you to look up those passages and learn about forgiveness. So when we come before God in prayer, we should be people who know about forgiveness the most and don't come with a bitterness in our heart or looking as we're praying, oh God, that person just doesn't know how bad and they are. And Lord, I just pray you would reveal their sin to them because they're so horrible. That's not how we're to pray. Okay, so we got to be careful. Now, number five is pursuing consecration now. This phrase here in verse 13, lead us not into temptation. You see, God, he doesn't lead us to sin. The Bible is very clear about that. And James 1, 13 through 17, read it on your own time. God does not tempt us. God can't be tempted by sin. So God doesn't lead us to sin, but he does give us the power to overcome it. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. So God will deliver us. He will not lead us down temptation. He will deliver us also from the evil one. This next phrase means literally that God will rescue us from danger. You and I see that in Romans 7, 24, Romans 11, 26, 2 Corinthians 1, 10, Colossians 1, 13. One of our aspects of prayer that, that we should really focus on is this pursuing of consecration that we are not going to fall into temptation and that God will deliver us from the evil one, that you are very uh, discerning and, and conscientious of the spiritual realm. That's important, my friends, as we're in the presence of God, as we're seeking him in prayer, that we're sensitive to where Satan is at and his demons, okay? Uh, all throughout scripture, we see there's a battle, not just in the physical. And we know in, in Ephesians 6 where that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And so as we pray in the spirit, you got to pray for insight that you will, that you don't allow the enemy to wreck you, to to have access to your thoughts and, and to really wound your heart and to take advantage of weaknesses or wounds in your life. So we have to be praying that we are delivered from evil in this world because we do live in an evil and fallen world. So as I conclude from this model prayer of Jesus, he teaches us how to pray. He says that adoration is key in prayer life. Number two is that you have to submit to God's will 
that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Number three, that you do you, that there are times to make petitions to to ask God to bless your work, to bless your children, to to pay your bills, to give you your physical needs, daily bread. We need to consistently pray for those things. And as we make petitions and intercede and make supplications on behalf of others that God would meet their daily needs. Okay. Number four is confession. There's a time in our prayer life that we need to be confessing our sins and asking God to forgive us and also making sure as we pray, God, help me to forgive so-and-so. So right now, if someone has wronged you, if there's a debt between you and someone, ask God for forgiveness. Number five is pursuing consecration. Is Remember, the first thing that we saw in the model of prayer was our Father, hallowed be thy name. As we recognize that God is holy, when we conclude our prayer, Lord, help me to be holy. That, my friends, are, are, are some practical ways, but powerful ways to, to better your prayer life. And I, and I believe when you go through this, this modeled prayer and you look to adore God more in your life, when you look to submit more to God's will in your life, when you're making faithful, consistent, uh, expectant prayers of God meeting your daily needs, when you're confessing your sins before Him and asking Him to cleanse you and wash you clean, when you want to pursue holiness in your life, you will see a radical change in your prayer life. So as always, my friends, thank you so much for listening. I just treasure this time with you. I'm praying for you. I love you guys, and I will see you on the next podcast. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at StandStrongMinistries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.